0: Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah is a book that uh, I've thought about going through for quite some time, but I've always been intimidated by the book of Jeremiah because, if you jump to the end, and you don't have to here, it is uh, 52 chapters long. And so the pace we go, um, we're going to be in Jeremiah for a year and a half. And the truth of the matter is we're not going to be in Jeremiah for a year and a half. I studied it out. It's going to be four years. But, um... (laughs) We're going to do Jeremiah the way we did the book of Isaiah. For those that were in here when we did the book of Isaiah, there are sometimes we're going to do a verse-by-verse study on the chapter. For example, chapter 1, we're going to do verse-by-verse study on it. Chapter 2, we're not going to do verse-by-verse. We're going to pick out the main topics and kind of hit the points, and that's the way we did Isaiah. If you remember with Isaiah, sometimes we did three, four chapters a Wednesday evening. Got an overview of what's going on. Jeremiah is an absolutely amazing, wonderful book. One of the introductions to Jeremiah and one of the commentaries I had, I almost brought it to read to you, but... It's just so good. It just kept going on and on and on. Jeremiah is a guy that ministered for over 40 years and never had one convert, never. In fact, he was constantly rejected. If you would look at all the major prophets in the Old Testament and if you would rank them according to success, I guess you'd have to put Jeremiah way down at the bottom. No one listened to him. No one listened to him in any way. And in fact, in the middle of the book of Jeremiah... God tells Jeremiah, "Hey, don't get married. So you don't get a wife, you don't get a family, because you got to focus on this." Jeremiah gets thrown in a dungeon. Jeremiah gets put in the stocks. Jeremiah suffers more than probably any prophet, and he just goes through a lot of difficulties, and the reason he goes through difficulties is the time that he prophesies is at the end of the nation of Judah. So as Judah goes downhill as a nation, Jeremiah sees this. In fact, Jeremiah also writes the book of Lamentations. If you ever want a real downer of a book, go read Lamentations. Its title should tell you Lamentations. This guy went through a whole awful lot. And so it's easy for me to relate to Jeremiah because sometimes I look at my spiritual life and I think I have more failure than I have success. I have a lot of times where I feel like there's a lot of effort put into something and you don't see any fruit. Jeremiah can relate to that. For four Plus decades. He struggled. He prophesied. He, he did God's calling. And nothing came out of it in any way whatsoever. But he was faithful. That's the key word. He was faithful to what God called him to do. We can learn a lot from this guy, and it's a not a difficult book in the sense of theology-wise. It's a difficult book in the sense of you see the struggles this man went through. And to be quite honest, there's a lot of families out here at church right now. They're struggling with a lot of things. This book is very applicable as we go through this. So with that being said, let's jump right into it. Verse 1 of Jeremiah 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest who were in Anathah in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. In the thirteenth year of his reign it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive. Have you heard me say many times before, when we read those first three verses, we give up right there and we say, I'm going back to Proverbs. Because I don't understand a single thing that this guy just said. Break it down, keep it simple. This is the introduction. What we have in verse 1, Jeremiah is from a priestly background. He's the son of one of the priests. He lives in the town of Anathoth, which is just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. So if you got maps in the back of your Bible, you can look at Jerusalem and just a few miles out of town is this town. This town still exists today. It's got a different name, but it's still there. So Jeremiah is from the priestly line. So, we got that in the back of our head. Now, verses 2 and 3, it's giving you a time frame. He started ministering for over 40 years. He began in 627 B.C., which is verse 2. Josiah, the son of, in the 13th year of Josiah. And then he also ministered past the destruction of Jerusalem, which is in 586 B.C., which you see there in verse 3. So, just, that's all it's saying. He's from a priestly line. He lives outside of Jerusalem. And he ministered for over 40 years. Now, Anything you do, if you do it for over 40 years, that's pretty impressive. This guy, once again, ministered for 40 years. I cannot stress this to you enough. Without success. I don't know about you. If I was in Jeremiah's position, the first time I tried sharing something of the Lord and people rejected it, I probably just would have said, forget this. He didn't. Now, he's very emotional. He has lots of moments of success in the sense of presenting the truth followed by failure of no one wanting to hear it. Now, just be honest. In your spiritual walk that you're having right now, where are you on the balance scales? Are you more on success? or Are you more on failure? If you're more towards the failure route, Jeremiah and you can really relate. He's the type of guy that you could sit down and say, you know what was his wine for a while with each other? What's just moan for a little bit. Jeremiah would do that with you because he knows what it's like. Now, real quick, he's a contemporary of Habakkuk and Zephaniah. I like mentioning that because I always find it fascinating that these prophets... Shared at the same time. Jeremiah is quite quoted in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well, too. It's really interesting that Habakkuk and Zephaniah had a lot of success as prophets. Once again, Jeremiah did not. Not at all. So let's get into this. If you look at your sheets, there's four things we're going to talk about this evening. God's calling, God's words, God's strength, God's authority. Let's look at this verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say that I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So, background here real quick. God had a calling on Jeremiah before he was even born. That's a pretty neat thing. Before you were even thought of by your parents, God had a plan for you. I always find that fascinating. When I ever see a gal that's pregnant, I always stop and think, Lord, you you have something going on in the womb there already. And Jeremiah was sanctified, set apart, ordained, predetermined to be doing something for you. His name means whom Jehovah has appointed. Boy, I like that. Too often I see Christians struggling through life, with this mindset of, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, I don't know where I'm called, I feel so empty, I bounce from this to this, I have no calling, I have no purpose, I take them to Jeremiah 1 here and I say, listen, before you were even born, God had something in store for you. Now, it's your job to seek the Lord to figure out what that is. But don't sit here and say that you don't have a plan and purpose because God told you He does have a plan and purpose. We did this verse for devotions the other day with the boys. And I said, listen, guys, God has something in store for So I went through each of the boys. Elias, what do you think God has in store for you? Judah, what do you think God has in store for you? Kenan Layden, And so they all went through what they thought they wanted to be and what they thought the Lord had in store for them. Kenan felt he wanted to be a penguin. That's what he felt God had in store for him. I said, okay, that's neat. Take care of animals. Zookeeper goes, no, a penguin. I said, okay, you want to take care of penguins? He goes, no, I think God wants me to become a penguin. So we went to Genesis and said that that's just not possible there. But... I don't think God's calling you to be a penguin. If you feel that way, you can talk to me afterwards. But the point is, God has something for you. He really does. Now, the problem is we think it's something deep. The longer I walk with the Lord, I realize there's not many deep things because I'm not a deep person. If God gives me something deep, I can't handle it. I've said very simply, what has the Lord called me to do? He has called me to pastor at Harvest Fellowship. He's called me to love Dawn as Christ loved the church. And he's called me to raise five boys to grow up and accept Christ. That's what I'm called to do. Now, that's not deep. That's pretty straightforward. I say simply to you, what has God called you to do? If you're married, he's probably called you to love your spouse biblically the way he's called you to do. If you have kids, he's called you to raise those kids in the Lord. If you have grandkids, be a spiritual influence on them. If you're not married, be a spiritual influence on your friends. Wherever you're at, your calling is usually... Pretty simple. Impact people for Christ. I've shared this story with you before that I had an individual that used to come out here, and he spent all his time figuring out what he was called to do. And all the time he spent figuring out what he was called to do, he ended up doing nothing for the Lord. He just kept trying to figure out what he was trying to do. I tell you, I see too many people spend too much time finding some deep, deep, thing. My goodness, go out there, live your life for Christ, be a light and a witness in all you say and do. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet. It was ordained, it was planned before, and that's what he was called to do. Now, I like Jeremiah because he's honest. Verse 6, I can't do this. I'm just a youth. Some translation says I'm just a child. How old was he? We don't know. One commentator said he was 30 because what happened is most priests go into ministry at the age of 30. Jesus is an example of that. One commentator said the word probably means he was around 20. We don't know for sure. Obviously, he couldn't have been real old because he ministered for a good four-plus decades, so we don't know how old he was. He was probably a young man. That word youth there can be a young man. When you look it up in the Hebrew, it, it leads to many examples of just a young man. Either way, God calls him, and what's his first thing? An excuse of why you can't do it. Now, we just talked about this Sunday. God calls us to do something. What's the first thing we do? We make up excuses on why I can't. Lord, I, you want me to go do this, but I'm really busy at work. This is a really busy season of life. I got a lot of things going on. I don't really feel up to it. I don't think I'm spiritually the one. We, we come up with all these reasons. We come up with all these excuses. Jeremiah is human. God calls him to do something big. This is a little overwhelming. The word of the Lord comes to him. Jeremiah, before you were even born, I had something big planned for you. Oh, Lord, not. Well, look at God's response. We already talked about God's calling. Let's talk about God's words. Look at these verses, verse 7. Do not say, I'm a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Look how simple that is. Too often I see people when it comes to their relationship with the Lord, they're always afraid of what should I say. What happens if they ask me a question and I don't have the answer? What happens with this? Keep it simple. Verse 7, whatever the Lord tells you to say, say it. See, Jeremiah didn't have to come up with the message. He just had to repeat the message that was given to him. Look at verse 9. He Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. That's a verse I pray for anybody. Anytime someone comes up to me and says, Hey, pray for me. I'm going to go talk to this group. I'm going to go share. I always pray Jeremiah 1.9 for them, that the Lord would touch their mouth, and speak his words. A great bookmark verse with this, it goes in Luke. It's in uh, Luke 22, I believe, where Jesus says, when you stand before people, do not plan ahead what you're going to say. Let the Spirit lead you at that time. Too often I see people when given an opportunity, they, they have this checklist. Man, just let the Lord lead. Just let him lead because you never know where the conversation is going to go. I think I've shared this story with before but I had a friend that was really a really neat heart of evangelism. Oh, he had a neat heart. One of those hearts I really respected and honored. And he was really into the force spiritual laws you remember the first spiritual laws and they had the books there and he got a chance to share Christ with somebody and uh, he was sharing Christ with them and I was watching him do it and he was doing a great job because this guy had a great heart he got to the first spiritual law if you remember that and he got to the first spiritual law and he's explaining the first spiritual law of the Lord and the person said yeah I get it what do I need to do to be saved the guy didn't know what to do because the fourth spiritual law tells you how to be saved you got to build up to that point you know the book says you do this and then you say this and you say this then you finally lead him to salvation. And so the person wanted to get saved so bad, he had to sit here through the rest of the teaching to figure out what he had to do to be saved. Sometimes people get so focused on words. Boy, oh, let's let the Spirit lead. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, you know what, i got something coming up, and I plan this. This is what I'm going to say. That's a great idea, but what happens when you get there and the Lord totally changes the ballgame. This is where Jeremiah comes in, where he says, I put my words in your mouth. Trust that the Lord will lead and guide you. Listen, if God has called you to share with somebody, he's going to give you the words to say. Don't allow fear of saying the wrong thing or fear of I'm not going to say it properly to keep you from talking about the Lord. If God has called you to say it, He's going to call you to do it by giving you the right word. Let's stop here for real quick. We've gone over Jeremiah's background. we are going over his calling. We're going over God giving him the words and what to say. Does anybody have any quick questions, comments about any of this before we go on? Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Right. That's a very valid point is this idea of, yes, we look back at Jeremiah and he saw the fall of Jerusalem, which is obviously in biblical terms a huge event. But I don't want anybody to admit how old they are. But... If you were around in nineteen forty eight, you saw a pretty historic event. Israel becoming a nation. I mean, that's that's a pretty life changing monumental event and the problem is we look at these type of things like jeremiah and we say well you know that's what god does that's that's a bible thing you know the fall of jerusalem that's something that only happens with the bible stuff i'm telling you if you saw jerusalem come together as a nation if you were alive in 1948 you saw fulfilled prophecy right before your eyes Pretty cool thing to see or anything anybody else got anything here about the stuff we've got this far rose no they're not listening no. yeah and, and that's a very valid point is and i read book i read about jeremiah said there's a lot of similarities between jeremiah and what we're going to today Is you have people. St- standing up, crying out, their nation is falling apart. Morally, spiritually, physically, it's falling apart. And the response is, nobody cares. And right now, Jeremiah, for 40 years, is crying out, Judah, you're falling apart. No one, no one cares. And listen, in fact, they get so annoyed with him, once again, they throw him in the dungeon. They throw him in the stocks. They try to get him to shut up. That's what happens which goes on to our next point here if you look at the words that god gave him we stopped at verse 9 it's always exciting to say god's going to give you words and you get to go out there and share okay but look at the words that he had to do verse 10 see i have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down to destroy and to throw down to build and to plant those are some tough words he has to root out and pull down destroy throw down build and to plant it carries this idea of going out into the garden and, and getting one of those weeds that's only about yay tall, but has about a six-foot root on it. You just keep pulling and pulling and pulling. And, and Jeremiah's calling is really not a calling of, of a lot of fun, to be honest with you. It's a calling of pointing out sin. It's a calling of pointing out problems. It's a calling of saying, guys, this is what's going on wrong. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it in any way whatsoever. He had to be faithful to his calling. It reminds me of Ezekiel. When Ezekiel was called, one of the things that God told him was I'm going to make your head like Flint. As we've said out here many times, ministry is not for the faint hearted. If you really want to be serious about the Lord and you really want to see God make a difference in your life and others, you've got to be prepared to take a hit. Because when you take a stand for the Lord, you're going to get hit left and right. You have to be prepared for people to say things about you. You have to be prepared for people to get upset at you. You have to be prepared to do everything right and still have everything fall apart. Jeremiah, when he is called, God has to give him the strength, which goes to our next passage here. Look at Jeremiah 1.8. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now, as we've said out here many times, if God has to tell Jeremiah to not be afraid, what do you think that means? Jeremiah was afraid. So if I ever come up to one of my boys and say, don't be afraid, why am I telling them don't be afraid? Because they're probably afraid. So by God saying, Jeremiah, don't be afraid... I was probably a little afraid. Jump ahead if you will to Jeremiah seventeen uh, excuse me, um, verse nineteen. I admit the missed the wrong quote there, seventeen nineteen. It's Jeremiah 119. Look at this phrase here. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord to delivery. Now read that one more time. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Now that sounds great. Okay, but, but did Jeremiah remember that in the dungeon? Did he remember that in the stocks? Did he remember that when God said, you know what, don't get married? See, right now, if your life is going good, you read verse 19, you're like, amen. But when your life's falling apart, you sit there and you say, okay, Lord, where's this whole promise of you being with me? Because I'm not, I'm not seeing it right now. See, Jeremiah went through a lot, and as he went through a lot... The Lord was still always with them. Why was God always with them? Because look at this, verse 11. For the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Now you may look at that and you say, That doesn't make any sense. Two symbolisms on the almond tree. The first one is this. In that culture, in that season, the almond tree was the first tree to bloom. So when the almond tree started to bloom, we knew that uh, spring was coming. Like the first flower that pops up from the ground. When we see that here, we know spring's coming. So what God is saying here, the timing is now, Jeremiah. This is the time I've called you to do that. Number two, it carries the idea of authority. Um, Aaron's rod, when it budded, what did it bud with? Almond. That showed Aaron had authority. That God had given them authority. So this almond tree shows God's timing, and it shows authority. So, by Jeremiah seeing that, he knows that this is the timing for the Lord to move, and God has given them the authority to do it. Put this all together. God's called him. God's given him the words. God's given them the strength, and God's given them the authority and the timing. Now, with that being said, the next 51 chapters are pretty rough on this guy. But he's where God wants him to be. Now, take a look at your life right now. Same thing. God's called you. He's given you the words. He's given you the authority and timing, and he's given you the strength. Now, the question comes up is this. Are you going to be faithful like Jeremiah for the next 51 chapters of your life? Are you going to stay faithful and strong? Or to be honest, are you going to give up? Because there's a lot of times we all want to give up. Oh, my goodness, we always will. But when you look at somebody like Jeremiah, you say, okay, Lord, you're there with me. See, look at the next thing that the Lord tells him, verse 13. The word of the Lord came to me the second time saying, what do you see? He said, I see a boiling pot that's facing away from the north. Then what happens in verses 14, 15, and 16, that boiling pot is a representation of Babylon Babylon is this boiling pot of judgment coming down on Israel. So this is Jeremiah's mission, is to warn them of Babylon coming for 40 years that he tries to do that. But look what God tells him in verse 17. Therefore prepare yourself and arise. Speak to them all that I commanded you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them, for behold, I have made you this day. Look at the description of Jeremiah. A fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. They will fight against you, but you shall not prevail, but they shall not prevail against you. Excuse me. I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. I love this symbolism in verse 18. Jeremiah, you are the fortified city, you are the iron pillar, you are the bronze wall, you are solid, you are strong. Why? Verse 19, they will fight against you. A verse that we quote a lot out here, John 16, 33, what did Jesus say? In this world you will have tribulation. Take heart, I have overcome the world. God tells Jeremiah, they will will bite you one of the worst things we can do in christianity is when somebody gets saved or gets serious with the lord is to give them this candy coated version of christ and we do it i do it sometimes too without even thinking like oh you just got saved amen your life is going to be so blessed now oh why when you go out there god's going to be moving in your life it's going to be amazing it's going to be wonderful the lord will use you you will have such peace you will have such joy you have just become part of the family we just don't mention the tribulation and the persecution and and that people are not going to like you. And to be quite honest, once you get saved, you're going to lose friends more than you gain. Once you get saved, people that you thought were close to you, now that you're going deeper in the Lord, they don't want to be around you. Once you get saved, there's going to be all these things you feel convicted about. And you're going to say, I want to let go of those fleshly things. And as you let go of them, all of a sudden you feel an emptiness because you used to fill yourself with that flesh. Now, as you get rid of it, Now what do I do? We don't mention those things. See, this is the beauty of God. God could have just did verses 4, 5, 6, and he could have done verse 7. Skip verse 8. Let's not talk about fear or anything like that. We'll do verse 9. Now let's skip verse 10, because I don't want to talk about rooting and destroying and building. We'll do verses 11 and 12 and 13. We'll skip verses 14 through 16, because let's not talk about the Babylonians. I mean, that's not a lot of fun. I mean, millions of Jews are going to be killed. It's not going to be fun. And we'll skip verses 17 through 18, too. That's my Bible. That's what I want to do. I just took out half of chapter 1. See, I want to do the same thing with people's lives. I want to promise them that, you know what? You're not going to face difficulties. You're not the one that's going to get sick. Your kid's not the one that's going to get hurt. Uh, You're not the one that's going to lose their job You're the one that's not going to face a calamity in your life Why? Because God just loves you He won't allow that to happen to you The truth of the matter is just like with Jeremiah 1 here The Lord allows those things but he gives us the strength to get through those things We live in a fallen, cursed world And in a fallen, cursed world, bad things happen to good people But God gives us the strength to get through it In Jeremiah chapter 1, God calls him God empowers him God strengthens him God gives him the authority to go out and do this, and he tells him it's going to be a battle, that you're going to be strong enough to do this. I don't know where you're at right now in life, but you are called, you are empowered, you are given the authority, you're given the strength to do it. You may not feel like it, you may feel like you can't, but you can't. Just like God called Jeremiah, he has called you, and he will not allow the situations of life to dictate that. He has called you, and you can move forward in that strength and that calling. That's what we learn here from Jeremiah. Anybody got any final questions, comments here about anything we've gone over in Jeremiah 1 before we move on to the rest of this stuff? Alrighty. Oh, sorry, Billy. If you make decisions in your life before you're saved, why does that calling allow? Yes. Yeah, if you get married, I, there was a great uh, comment I heard one time. Uh, you asked a question about getting married before you're saved. There's a great comment I heard one time by a pastor where it said, you may not have married Mr. Wright, but as soon as you married him, he became Mr. Wright." And there's a lot of truth to that where sometimes we make decisions before we're walking in the wisdom of the Lord. There's a lot of times we make decisions before we're walking in God's plan. And then as we get saved, we look at this and we say, Lord, there's a mess what do I do with this mess? And I think back to like the woman at the well, Jesus. You know, Jesus told the woman at the well, just start following me and as you follow me then those things will work themselves out. I think of the woman caught in adultery. What did Jesus simply say to her? Go and sin no more. See, when you get saved, it's like you get to hit reset. And as you get to hit reset you get to start over. But just because you start over doesn't mean that all that junk that happened in the past dissipates. God can still use that. And, and the phrase I always think about that is, is the idea of scars. And I've used this analogy with you before, so forgive me If you've already heard this before, but when we usually face something physical in our life and it leaves a scar, we try to spend most of our life covering up that scar. Especially if it's a place where people would normally see it, we do everything we can to cover up scars so that way no one sees them. But yet, if you look at Jesus in the book of Revelation, what is he called? The lamb that was slain. Some people believe that Jesus carries the marks of the cross through all of eternity. So as we look at him, we see what our sin cost and we rejoice over his death and what he did point is, some of you made some choices that you shouldn't have made. Some of you are still living with the ramifications of those choices you shouldn't have made. So what we try to do is we try to cover up those scars. We try to do everything we can that people don't find out what our past was really like. We try not to. But yet, sometimes those choices you made in your past, somebody needs to hear that on how God got you through it. So therefore, you try to cover those scars up and God says, actually, I want people to see those scars. Because as they see those scars, it gives them hope saying, God got me through it, that means he can also get you through So sometimes don't hide the scars that you've made. Sometimes realize that the Lord can use that and still will use that for the greater good and the greater glory. Paul could have went the rest of his life never once mentioning he used to round up Christians and have them killed. But that was part of the scars that he had to carry for the rest of his life, choices that he made before he got saved. Instead, he used that to say, look at what Christ did in my life, and if God brought me out of this pit, he can also bring you out of whatever pit in." good question. Though. Tina. No, we don't catch God off guard in any oh, way whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, and that's a great point. We don't catch God off guard. It's When I make a stupid choice, it's not like God says, oh, James, I didn't see that coming. You know, he knows it. I mean, he, he knows. He knows the choices I made before I got saved. He knows the choices I made after I got saved. And sometimes we make some choices even after we get saved that really aren't smart choices. Now, Christianity, for some reason. Loves to put a boot on your neck and just push you down to the ground and constantly remind you of every stupid choice you made. That's not of the Lord. That condemnation is not of God. That guilt is not of God. If you have asked the Lord for forgiveness, you can be forgiven, forgotten, and you can move on. Yes, there's some choices that you wish you would have done differently, but the Lord can also use that as a witness to save others from going down that path as well. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I think of the, what Paul wrote in Corinthians where it says these Old Testament people were given to us as a I I mean, God could have wrote the Old Testament and taken out the whole David Bathsheba thing, lots of sexual relationships with his daughters, Noah getting drunk. He could have tuck out all those things. Instead, those things are in there to say, listen, these men and women of God made bad choices, and the Lord still worked through it and still used them. And part of our witness sometimes is still saying the choice I made and not hiding from. I mean, we really could say, um, I don't know that. You know, married a non-believer. So now that I'm saved, I'm just going to forget him and move on and find a godly guy. Maybe your witness is saying, I'm sticking with this non-believer and being a light and a witness to him so that way he can come into the family. You know, I'm the one that used to go out and get drunk, get high, get wasted, get whatever. But I'm never going to mention that. I'm never going to let anybody know anything about that. Well, maybe you need to say, hey, I'm not here to glorify my past, but I've been that lifestyle. I've been down that path. Nothing good came out of it, and I'm here to tell you there's a better path that you can take. Don't hide from the scars. Allow the Lord to use them as light and witness. wits. Gross. Now. Yeah. Yeah, God says all things work together for good for those that are called according to His purposes. If you're called by God, then that means that the events that happen in your life, He's going to use it for something good, and that's the beauty of what the Lord does. Yeah, Carly. Yeah, I mean, that's. But you know what? I mean, as you just mentioned there, Carly it took 15 years for Jerome to get saved, but from an outside perspective, I had the beauty of doing Jerome's funeral, and Jerome is saved. You know what I mean? And that, and that's that's what you get to focus on. Is you get to focus on the end. What's that? Yes, it would have. Yes. Yes, Jerome is up in heaven having more fun than we are right now. But, yes, it would have been nice if Jerome got saved before that. But the end result is Jerome did come to know Christ, and that's what matters more. So, All righty. Well, has anybody else got anything they want to say? All right, uh, Jeremiah will be a wonderful study, and uh, we'll get a lot of out of it. It's going to be a blessing. Let's pray here, and we'll let you guys go. Heavenly Father, good to be here today. And, the Lord, once again, we say thank you for this time. Thank you so much, Lord. You've called us. You've strengthened us. You've given us the authority. You've given us the power to do this. Will help us to go out and live the life, walk in the ways you've called us, and to be a light and a witness And always we say and do. And just like Jeremiah, when we run into opposition and difficulty, help us to stay strong in you not allow the situation to put us up in your name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week, and God bless.